Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So if you wanted to buy some, uh, you know, John Fetterman branded gear, if you're a big Fetterman fan. That would be John Fetterman, the current lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who just won the Democratic primary for Senate on Tuesday. And um, there's, uh, there's a wheat t-shirt. It says Legal Weed for Pennsylvania, sponsored by John Fetterman. It's one of the only policy-focused t-shirts on the John Fetterman website. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And this is cannabis reporter Natalie Fertig. Cannabis is changing around the country. And so can candidates use this to attract people to come out of their homes and show up to a voting booth on Election Day? We'll see. On the show today, cannabis on the campaign trail. So we know that Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman won the Democratic primary on Tuesday night, setting up a race to fill the seat of retiring Republican Senator Pat Toomey. He's arguably the most outspoken pro-weed politician in the United States. How so? Give me kind of his greatest hits. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things about Fetterman is that he is just outspoken, period, right? There's a lot of different politicians around the country who have done a lot of legislation on weed, but Fetterman just has this persona of being very loud and very bold about the things that he cares about. And he's cared about cannabis for quite a while. I mean, we can go back to when he ran for Senate the last time in 2016, and he talked about weed then. Um, He was the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania at the time, and he's been pro-cannabis legalization since that point. When he became lieutenant governor, he did this listening tour where he went all over the state of Pennsylvania. He went to every single county in Pennsylvania, and he talked to people about why he wants to legalize weed, but then also said, you know, what do you think? What are your concerns? What are your questions? I want to know what you guys are thinking. Overall, Pennsylvanians do support legalizing cannabis, but he's made it such a big deal in ways that I think many politicians, even those in the Democratic Party who, you know, it's it's part of the Democratic Party platform now, you know, he's really gone out and been very vocal about it in ways that I think a lot of even other pro-weed politicians have not. You have a story out about how if Fetterman is eventually elected to the Senate in November, how that might impact the legalization conversation on the national level, having such a sort of staunch supporter of this in the Senate. I think that the Senate is its own cookie to crack. (laughs) Having the Pennsylvania seat flip would definitely be really important for Democrats to try to retain control of the Senate. It's much less likely that a Senate Majority Leader McConnell considers taking up legalization in the next Congress, not saying Mm -hmm. that he never will consider it ever in history, but, you know, he's not really there yet. Republicans aren't really there yet. Mm -hmm. So Fetterman helps Democrats keep the Senate. Fetterman's also really loud on this. So as a freshman senator, he's not going to have a lot of power, but he will be shaking the boat, so to speak. How much impact that has will depend on how much other lawmakers like him and care about his <laughs> opinion. You know, he'll be one of a hundred, but it will definitely shake up the conversation on Capitol Hill if he if he arrives here next January. 
So what is the status of cannabis legislation in Congress right now? The House has passed a couple of bills. Those paths are trickier in the Senate. What are all the sort of piecemeal bills currently being worked on? Yeah, so in Congress, we've got three major things. We've got cannabis research, uh, and there's a couple different bills on that. Um, and, and that has the best shot of any cannabis-related legislation. Mm. The other two bills are this bill that would make it easier for banks to offer financial services to the cannabis industry. Is that the Safe Banking Act? Yeah, it's the Safe Banking Act. And so we've, we've seen a lot of violent break-ins happening more often in states like California, Washington, and other legal states. And that's kind of put a new spotlight on this issue. But it's unclear if Democrats and Republicans are going to be able to agree on the details because they're all like, yeah, okay, safe banking. That's a good idea. But Democrats don't want to pass it unless it includes something that's equity related, even if that's just making, you know, language, making sure that the Safe Banking Act, uh, that banks don't discriminate against black cannabis shop owners or things like that. Um, and, And Republicans really are like, no, the bill is good how it is. We don't want to change it at all. <laughs> and then the last is the decriminalization bill. And, you know, it's just, I'd say that there's a really long shot that that passes in this Congress. Mm-hmm. But I'd also say never say never. But, you know, we're we're just waiting on language for that right now. And, and a lot of people don't want to move their positions until they see, you know, they fully see the bill. It's sort of like, don't, you know, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. A lot of senators mm-hmm. won't really chime in on it until they've actually seen the details of the bill that's being proposed. And we don't have that yet. Um, hopefully we'll have it before August recess. So that's, that's what's going on in Capitol Hill. It's all kind of very small little movements, people inching toward things. And then something happens like Ukraine or something happens like the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade. And then they all go, ah, we can't talk about weed. We have too many other big things to do. And then weed gets pushed to the back burner and (laughs) um, sort of a, a very slow, arduous process. Yeah, it is interesting, though, because there are all of these different bills like floating. So it does seem like, you know, we're reaching a a point of like, not saturation, but where clearly something is going to happen at some point, it just might not be some point soon. (laughs) Yeah. And I think people, especially cannabis activists and advocates and people who care about this issue, see it move so quickly on the state level that, um, you know, it's hard to remember that the federal government is legitimately built to move slowly like that's kind of how it was designed um Mm. that's why the filibuster exists you know it the whole we we say so often states the laboratories of democracy well that i mean that's how it's designed (laughs) to be and so congress isn't going to change this quickly that's just not a thing that it's gonna do um especially because uh American sentiment on this has changed so fast. One of the pollsters I was talking to this week in Pennsylvania, I asked him, you know, he he was telling me in 2006, 22% of Pennsylvanians supported legalization of marijuana. Now it's 60%. It's wow. tripled in um, 16 years. And, and I asked him, has there been any other issue in Pennsylvania that has changed that quickly? And he said what I've heard a lot of pollsters say to me before, which is gay marriage. And remember, Congress didn't act on gay marriage. 
the Supreme Court did. Congress didn't get around to it before Americans took that to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we we think there are things that have changed really quickly in American democracy in the past, but most of them didn't actually go through Congress, um, at least not in our you know immediate lifetimes. That's such a great and interesting point. You talked about how the polling has changed pretty rapidly. Is campaigning on cannabis something that might help Fetterman win in November? Or are we seeing other midterm candidates campaign on cannabis as well? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting question, right? It's it's not there's not this clear data that says yes, this is definitely going to help you. Um, but I I have yet to talk to a pollster who says it'll hurt you. Mm. So most of them say things like, "Why leave it on the table when uh, you know you think it it could potentially help you?" There's been elections in the past where having cannabis on the ballot has brought out extraordinary numbers of voters who don't usually come out to the polls. Um, the Washington state election in 2012, for example, that that legalized marijuana in that state uh, brought out almost twice the number of, of younger voters as the 2008 election. So in 2008, mm-hmm. 10% of voters 18 to 29, um, or it, those voters were 10% of the electorate. And in 2012, they were 22% of the electorate. Wow. And that's compared to most other states where the, the rate stayed about the same. So it's not like every, every state in the country had this huge influx of um, then, you know, millennials uh, coming out to the polls, uh, which is which is pretty striking. What the question is, I think, right now in the 22 election is, can candidates also get more people to come out to the polls because they support marijuana? And mm-hmm. I think that Fetterman is so loud about the issue and people genuinely know this as a thing that he stands for um, mm-hmm. in a state where it is not yet legal. You know, other people, Schumer comes from a legal state. Earl Blumenauer comes from a legal state. Mm-hmm. In Pennsylvania, recreational marijuana is not yet legal. So he's supporting it in a state. He's one of the few politicians that's, like, not chasing his state. He's leading his state. Mm. And, um, th- I mean, that could make a difference, right? We also see Gary Chambers. Um, he's a Senate candidate in Louisiana. He's challenging um, incumbent Senator John Kennedy. It's going to be a really hard race. But he is... You know, he he famously put out this campaign ad back in January where he's smoking a blunt in <laughs> like an armchair in a field in Louisiana. And he talks about incarceration and how much it's impacted the black community. And he's he told me on the phone, he's he said at different events also that he is hoping to get more black voters out to the polls by talking to them about issues they care about and marijuana legalization. Uh, polls dramatically higher with black voters than it does with white voters, even amongst Democrats and progressives. So it's because it's something that black men are arrested at a rate four times higher than white men for marijuana possession. And so this candidate down in Louisiana is trying to use it to get black voters to come out to the polls. And he has the numbers that says, you know, if more black voters, way more black voters come out to the polls, 
the state could go Democrat and could vote for a Democrat. And they have a Democratic governor, and that made a big difference. Um, A lot of Black voters elected him. So it is something I don't think that we have an answer yet. You know, I think it'll remain to be seen on how Fetterman does. And I mean, if Gary Chambers can pull that off in in Louisiana, I think that will be a really big tell as well. But then I also, you know, the question mark is like, how long does this last for, right? Because then if just every candidate starts yelling about marijuana, then they're all, you know, they're all on board with marijuana and then doesn't make any difference again. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of we're at like a very interesting place in candidates embracing marijuana right now that we didn't really see in in this specific way in, you know, maybe like back in like eight years ago, you know, people were just starting to say, yeah, I support legalization. Um, not specifically using it to try to turn out voters that don't usually come to the polls. But it's not going to last forever either. It's not like this is going to be an issue you can use 50 years from now to turn out new voters to the polls because it's just it's like it's that cultural moment right now. Natalie Fertig, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks, Annie. Also in the news, the United States has reopened its embassy in Kyiv three months after the Russian invasion of Ukraine prompted its closure. And in a big victory for the GOP, the Kansas Supreme Court on Wednesday upheld a redistricting law that makes it harder for the only Democrat in the state's congressional delegation to win re-election. The state Supreme Court declined for now to declare that the overly partisan gerrymandering violates the Kansas Constitution. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>